When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. It is, after a long anticipation, the Labor Day edition of Rewind a Raw. The Labor Day edition, yeah. I mean, um, I feel like I've asked this before, but is this uh, celebrated in the U.S.? It is, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, Labor Everyone, Day. It's a huge, but, huge but, day. But they spell it without a U. Yeah, I mean... I kind of like it without the U. Really? Why? Why do we need the excess letter? Why do you need any letters? I mean, it's the proper way of of using the language. Who determines this? Somebody the English. In the room that said, hey. The English who created the language. Well, what are we going to subscribe to? Do we do we write Ring of Honor with a, with a U? We don't do that. Well, that's a brand name. Labor Day is, I guess, it's, it's a, in a way, it's a bit of a brand name. Well. It's a holiday. Should be doing less work. Cut the U out. Uh, Doesn't matter. Sure. However you want to celebrate. How did you celebrate your Labor Day way? I went to watch a movie with WH Park. Oh, that's a perfect way to celebrate. What 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 better way to celebrate um any holiday? Yeah. I went to watch Shang-Chi for myself the second time and for him the first time this morning or this afternoon actually, a matinee viewing with WH Park. Uh it was his first trip to a theater. And I think my second, because I, I, you know, it was my second time watching Shang-Chi. And then right afterwards, we had some lunch and then recorded a, a podcast review, 90 minutes, talking about Shang-Chi and all of our thoughts on it. That will be released tomorrow exclusively for patrons on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Oh, I'm glad you're going to release it. Uh, Yeah, I was, you know, it was just going to be recorded for our own pleasure, as we all tend to do with our own private recordings, just record them, you know. But no, this this one will release. When you guys got into the theater and you're waiting for the movie to start, did you inform WH of things that don't happen in the movie? <laughs> I did not do that. No, we did not engage in that type of uh, dangerous conversation beforehand. Um, that's more of a John Cena WH Park relationship. How many people were in the theater, roughly? Um, it wasn't very busy at all. I, I, I'm bad at counting, but you know, it, it, it was pretty sparse. You had room. There were not. Uh... Oh yeah, when you buy tickets, at least in Ontario, they um, actually just close off the seats around you, so it's all That's assigned great. seating, and then you're really not that close to other people. All right. Well, I look forward to your review. Did you did you find uh, things you missed the first time on your second? Yeah, viewing? definitely. I definitely got a lot out of the the second viewing. You know, because um, you know where they're going. And you can kind of see where they're leading you earlier on in the movie. And of course, you know, knowing like you're paying a bit closer attention because you don't have to, you know, focus on maybe certain other things. So I definitely got something out of the second viewing. All right. Well, check that out Tuesday. It's going to be available on the Post Wrestling Cafe. A double dose of MCU later this week. You're going to get that show on Tuesday. And then Thursday, uh, we're winding down on uh, what if with episode five this week? So two episodes to go. Uh, I would. Uh, I think it's nine episodes this season. Then forget what I just said. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, lots, lots to come. So that's there, and then of course we're wanting to SmackDown and Rampage on Friday, where I where I will be off. You're leaving? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be gone for the whole next week. So <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what am oh, I gonna do? You didn't get the word. Uh, well, what? Well, I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't have friends. Who's <laughs> gonna come on with me? Close this place down. I, I don't. Not my problem. Oh, okay. Well, you can tune in, folks, and see what's uh, what's gonna happen. Maybe it'll just be John Pollock's soliloquies for uh, for an hour, wax poetic about Raw. Um, we'll find out. Well, I do have Nate Milton joining me on Friday, so. Uh, Nate, he said he he's not he was not too enthused that I'm making him watch SmackDown, but he is excited to watch Rampage. So there you go. Uh, that will be I, I think SmackDown like it's a pretty significant episode this this Friday with with Brock. You've got a contract signing. It's uh, I was gonna say it's not every week you have a contract signing, but it is every week you have a contract signing, and probably gonna get some raw talent on the show. Yeah, MSG. You know, maybe a John Cena appearance because we know he is in the building. And of course, on Rampage, you have Pack versus Andrade. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts with Nate Milton. Uh, a double dose of Nate Milton. Speaking of double doses. Yes. So uh, if you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you will be getting uh, those shows from Way this week. Uh, we'll also have uh, shows dropping uh, the live show on Friday night with myself and Nate. We will be live at 11.15 Eastern for all patrons. And then this weekend, uh, I should mention, British Wrestling Experience will be back with Martin and Benno on Thursday. Then this weekend, we've got the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, the NWA. There you go, Way. I was I was teeing it up for you. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I've had a long day, folks. You know, I went to sleep last night at like after 3 in the morning, and then I was up at like 8.15 this morning, and I've just been going the whole day. Oh, boy. Well, hope you had your coffee or multiple of them. But yes, it is the return of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. It's... Chris from uh, Chris Ely. I keep calling him Chris from L.A. I don't know if he recognizes that fully or if he wants to be the professor. He's branded as such. I think it's it's going to be hard for him to shake that title. Chris, the professor Chris from L.A. Ely is going to be on the NWA with Nate Milton, of course, and you'll you might also hear Andrew Thompson speaking about a number of things. So uh, do check that out Sunday evening sometime. All right, check out all of that. Uh, another note uh, for those that might be considering joining the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, our G1 coverage is going to be starting September 18th, where we will be doing uh, cafe shows for the G1 events. So if you are planning to jump on board, the tournament begins September 18th. Um, you might as well sign up now, and then you get your full value for the month, rather than waiting till the final 12 days of September. You might do as well. Do it now. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, you are might you as well. scared? <laughs> I dare you to sign up. <laughs> I don't think you have the guts to sign up. <laughs> We're great at marketing. <laughs> we should be advertising people. <laughs> what? That's a great... Too scared? Great, you masters of uh, reverse psychology here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I bet you can't if you even tried. You know, what do you think? <laughs> probably. It's probably too complicated a process yeah. for you to figure out how to sign in. Got to put in information. It might be might be a little bit too much for you, but prove us wrong. Sign up, don't sign up. Whatever whatever floats your boat, we're happy with. Uh, that is all happening this month. It's a busy month. Way Way's already on vacation. He's already oh, done. I'm gone. He's. Done I was now. gone as of like two a.m. last Dude, night. Dude, after done. after after match number twelve tonight, I don't I don't blame you. 
I was gone after the first half of the gauntlet before they <sighs> they sp- spread it to to the. Last I'm not kidding you. I've been telling you like my exercises during Raw. I took four breaks during the first hour of Raw. First hour, eh? Wow. I went and started listening to music, and suddenly it was like took <laughs> 25 minutes of just going through playlists. And finding songs that would take me to more songs. Dude, I was just completely wasting time. There Wait was nothing productive being done. So you started just, you started raw, and then partway through you're you're just like, I need a break. So you each commercial break, I just hit pause. And then and, I, and like, it was like fifteen minutes each time. And, and then and, one extended to like twenty five minutes. And the breaks consisted of you just kind of randomly listening to music? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's great. What'd you listen to? Dude, uh, everyone knows I was like a big, I was a big dance fan back in the day. And I stumbled upon Groove Coverage, which was very, very underrated group. Man, I've not heard of Groove Coverage. I think like your knowledge. You, of, you, I don't think would ever listen to Groove Coverage. Your knowledge of that era is like, I think you are like the, the Damien Abraham of like 90s kind of like that type of like i don't even know what you call that type of dance music well um i don't know what the uh the official status would be you know my all-time favorite is mj who did a, she had a series of hits she had flying to the moon was was a big one uh that she did and <laughs> was just like a massive favorite of mine and dude she is playing here in toronto next month Damn! Wow. On the same bill, <laughs> I'm not even making this up. As Aqua, <laughs> and of course, I don't think I can go though. It's it's the night. Oh, of the are you kidding me? They, they so Aqua. I think listeners. I, I don't want to see Aqua. Like I'm I'm beyond done with Aqua. The second performance of theirs was just um, come on. It was a real big letdown. It was like you go to a restaurant that you've heard about forever, and it's a great time, but you don't want to go there again. And that's what? what me and my friends all learned. Going that second time, it just was not the same. I don't need to do it a third time. I mean, well, the last time you went was, I'm assuming, pre-pandemic. You know, it's a- No way. In the midst of the pandemic, Aqua <laughs> came here and we said, you know what? <laughs> Fuck COVID. Let's go see Aqua. That, that would be the one to risk it for. No. It was, um, it was, it was a few months before the pandemic because it was still like warm out. So I imagine oh, so it was, it was like, last year. Wow. It was like 2019. Okay, well, listen, um, you got to live. That's what we've learned, everybody. You know, we've been cooped up here, not knowing when, 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 when is the next time you're going to get to see Aqua after this. You may never get to see Aqua well, again. Well, it's not, it's not Aqua. Aqua is not pulling me in the direction of this. MJ is, but it is... All the more reason. I feel she's, she's very low on the, the list, though. I think if I went there, it would be like 20 minutes of MJ. And it's like, do I, is, is this worth it? I mean, Nick Diaz is fighting that night. I do have an intrigue in seeing Nick Diaz fight. Well, what's it going to take? You know, what's that extra? Th- what What is it? Groove, I'm not explo- looking for groove explosion? To take. If they added the a groove explosion on the bill, you know, you know what I'm looking. I, I'm looking for someone in Vaughn to uh, stream this on their phone and post it on YouTube. That's what I'm looking for, and I'll watch it on YouTube. That would be wonderful if anyone is listening to this. And I say that in jest because the last time I went to this co- this concert. I ran into no less than like three three listeners who came up to me. So there might be a chance that someone listening to this is going to go. If you can record this on your phone, 
No. Just email me MJSet. I think that's and a, I'll, I, Way's going to send you a t-shirt. He's going to send well, you a post-wrestling package. I don't think you should be solic- soliciting uh, illegal activity. Is this illegal to just record yeah. a of live performance of yeah, MJ? Of course it is. Yes, of course MJ? it is. MJ? Dude, she probably would be, Doesn't matter. be honored. So can I bring, like, should I have brought my video camera to, to the screening of the movie today to, to record it so that you could see it because you, 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 you didn't want to go? This is like an outdoor music festival. I don't even know if there's like a hard and fast rule to this. Of course there is. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's probably says on the back of the same tickets that WWE prints there's tickets on. No video okay, recording well, allowed. Well, you know what? Way, sometimes you got to live. Listen, if you care about this, if you care about Aqua, don't you think they're hurting? Don't you think Klaus and Sven, they've been hurting over the past year? No, you know, would you no want to probably support not. They, they did fantastic. They're allowed. Dude, Toronto has come out for Aqua every time that they've run this city. They're running it for the third time in like three years. I know, and they missed out on last year's big payday. So what do you think their 2020 has been like? You know, don't you want to support uh, what, these what, what if, what if I buy starving a artists? If I buy a ticket but don't go, can I then be afforded uh, a recording? someone to record this for me? Would you let me off the hook then or would you call the police on me? I mean – Honestly, you—if you message MJ, I'm sure she would actually respond because I don't know how many people are DMing MJ. So you can ask, I, I guess. I would interview her. All right, do it up. Give him, okay. give her a call. So that's coming up in September. Um, tonight we have some news items to discuss. Way, the fallout from All Out. How do you feel 24 hours later about this show? Very positive. I mean, um. You know, I think it says something when usually we get like, you know, any sort of AEW success is usually followed by a lot of celebration from AEW fans and then a great deal of detraction and a great deal of, I think, criticism from non-AEW fans. And I'm not seeing any of that. If there is, it is so minimal that it's not even catching my radar. Um, Even like the AEW, like the people who hate it when when AEW like has any any sort of like cause for celebration i feel like even they have nothing to say about last night i've seen some stupid comments but i mean that's that that's pro wrestling that's that's anything in what, what possibly are the could the comments have been I'm, oh I'm i've curious. seen that that the 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 young bucks match actually wasn't good um I've, you know the typical oh it's just wwe guys it's like it's laughable it's um you know, it's, it comes uh, to the territory. Like, I, I don't know why people even put um, stock in it. I mean, it was about as universally well-received the show as you are going to find. And I think the cage match was um, the match that uh, people were just uh, gushing over. I think that w- when you're you're seriously looking this year at the candidates, and I was thinking about this today, about the, the biggest matches this year, that is certainly uh, on the short list that I would put with uh, Okada and Osprey from Wrestle Kingdom, uh, the Shingo Will Osprey match that was just outstanding back in April, uh, the Utami Hayashita match with Shuri, which I watched the second one today. How was it? Very good. It's it was so weird to watch that here is this like since this Grand Prix was announced, like that is the match at least for me that I immediately circled September fourth that this is the big rematch and it was announced like. Two months ago, month and a half ago, and here it is, and it's this <laughs> match of the year contender, and it's here in front of 300 people in just um, – it was just like uh, such a bizarre environment to be watching it in. But, man, it was it was one of those matches where the bell rings. I was like, how was that 20 minutes? 
that's how fast it went. But it was, um, you know, Utami working, working back and Shuri just uh, showcasing her kicks, which were just phenomenal uh, in this. And it ends with Utami just having this fiery comeback with these rolling Germans as the time expires. So I didn't think that this was at the level of the first match, but it was a pretty solid 20 minute draw um, that just keeps keeps the stalemate between the two. And I I, I hope when they do the, the eventual rematch um, that it's on kind of a just a bigger stage. Like this was part of the tournament and it was just a it just I don't think it had really the feel of, you know, this gigantic rematch for the company, even though it did headline the show. And, you know, 300 people for stardom, it's like they will certainly take that that attendance figure. It's not a terrible figure for them. Yeah, it's for for that reason that I I I mean it makes total sense to me that they would do a draw and not give out that eventual winner until a time when you can fill the state, you know, fill their arena with a few more people when they're fully out of the pandemic when you could headline a show fully with that match. You know, I don't know if they do um stipulations at all in stardom, but something that that that's able to guarantee a winner perhaps might be interesting. So glad to hear that um you know at the very least you got some a 20 minutes of of great wrestling between those two. So I watched uh, most of the post-show scrums that the uh, the talent had in AEW, and I just wanted to go through some of these notes way and get some of your thoughts. Uh, Brian Danielson uh, was there, and my God, this guy he was he was extremely I won't even say diplomatic. I think he, like genuinely grateful for his time at WWE, but I think like you could read between the lines here that he just felt that he he stated that he he has a tremendous relationship with Vince McMahon but he tends to be overprotective of him and he is someone that wants to push his limits and challenge himself and that's what this represents he very much wants to go to new japan but the idea of quarantining for 2 weeks to go over there and do matches when he's got a family is just not not possible now he also very much wants to go to Mexico, but acknowledges that might not be the safest option. So it looks like for the immediate future, he's focused on AEW. And he's just looking at uh, challenging himself, seeing how good these guys are. Like, this is someone that you can certainly see. This is a guy that knows, listen, I'm a, f- I'm a fantastic pro wrestler. And now I'm going to go and work with other fantastic pro wrestlers. And I very much believe in myself as a benchmark. Like he is coming in, I think, with very much not even anything to prove, but just this is him getting to be a full time professional wrestler once again. Uh, because as he famously said that in WWE, it's where it all clicked for him was that it's it's almost it's a parody of professional wrestling. And I think now we are going to see uh, Daniel Bryan, who could have several maybe many quality years ahead of him. You know, I think back to the time that Brian had to retire and, you know, some of the follow through from that, seeing glimpses of him dealing with the end of his wrestling career on like a total Bellas going through bouts of depression because he no longer was able to do that. that the thing that he loved so much um, reminds me just exactly how much, this guy loves professional wrestling. And when I say loves professional wrestling, I'm assuming it's not simply one style of professional wrestling, which he has been doing for the better part of the past decade plus. Um, and now he gets to explore everything that is out there at a time when those options are, I think, more fruitful than ever. And I am so excited 
to see what this guy like I fully believe everything he says about the WWE and what what a great relationship he has. I mean, he he noted he has family there, you know, and just maybe imagine some of those difficult conversations at the dinner table with like, I mean, if they occur at the dinner table, maybe at after dinner with, you know, his father-in-law, John Laurinaitis, like, you know, deciding not to sign with with the guy that is in charge of getting him to sign. But I'm so excited artistically to see what he is able to create outside of those boundaries, being able to just visit so much that um, I don't think he has been able to nearly touch. Like we've seen, very, I think by this point, we've seen a very patterned form of Daniel Bryan match. Um, when I think, you know, Brian Danielson is capable of, of far, far more. I think he looks at a guy like John Moxley as a real template in how much a guy like that can extend himself, how much he can show up, you know, one night doing a GCW match with Matt Cardona. And then the next night facing Minoru Suzuki on an AEW show. Um, maybe he looks at somebody like Daniel Garcia in the, in the year he's having and wanting to replicate that, you know, this is a, a, a that was the match he saw with Darby that he, he reached out to Tony Khan about. I mean, I, I think Brian Danielson is the one that um, if this guy shows up anywhere, it will not surprise me. Like if this guy goes to just do some indie in front of 30 people, it would not shock me. Like I think he's going to want to do any, any and all unique ideas that are of creative satisfaction to him. Completely. And I'm so excited, you know, um, and, and we know that this is not a man who is there driven by money at all. He's there driven by creative freedom. And I think just expression of, of his art that he absolutely loves. I'm so excited to see what he does. And like a very popular figure in WWE, like from people that, that worked with him behind the scenes, like he had a very good relationship with Vince McMahon. Like he was thought of extremely in high regard in WWE. And yeah, I mean, he's going to be a major asset there. Um, it also looks like they are really encouraging the, uh, He's going to kick your fucking head off chant that they have embedded into his theme song that was uh, put up today. I, I see. I, I heard that. I heard the theme song, um, which, yeah, has that kind of put in there almost sneakily. Um, I do you think that is a direction from, let's say, I mean, you would assume Tony Khan, like you would assume Tony Khan would have had to okay it. Do you think that's something he he I mean, he for? used Brian did use the line in um, the scrum as well. So I I think they are directing the audience to chant that. Yes. Right. Interesting. And that's such a change of direction from Daniel Bryan. Not such a change of direction from the American Dragon, of course. But it's just kind of weird because like I, I kind of look at, you know, this guy as the dad now who's a kid-friendly character. And, and he cussed a few times in that scrum. So maybe that's a sign of things to come. Uh, CM Punk uh, came out. He was also with uh, Tony Khan and just reiterated how happy he was said that the news that Brian Danielson and Adam Cole coming to AEW gave him a boner. Yeah, sure. As it did uh, all of us, I'm sure. He said wrestling sting would be a bucket list item. Uh, there was actually a great exchange where um, he was asked about, um, you know, kind of the role Terry Funk played with, with like a, a lot of younger talent. And then Punk basically said like, yeah, but who who here has even gotten to see Terry Funk wrestle? And Dave Meltzer's like, I have. It's like, but I mean, Dave, Terry Funk in his prime as world champion, 
yeah, I have. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so uh, that was very funny. Um, you know, he he compared like this influx of talent to AEW. Uh, in Punk's opinion, this is this is bigger than Nash and Hall going to WCW in 1996, which the jury's out. Uh, a year from now, that that could be a case if like if this really does skyrocket AEW. And I, I cannot overemphasize how big this next month is for AEW from the big events that they're running, having a spotlight in the New York market as all of this is happening with your biggest star power to date that's going to uh, entice a lot of media interest uh, during this time. You've also got the fact that Raw is starting next week going against Monday Night Football. So they've got a handicap going into September. Dynamite is riding an enormous wave of momentum that th- this is going to be a very big month. This is going to be a very big rest of 2021 going into the next year. And it just seems that, I mean, AEW is loaded with their, by far their largest star power and are going in with, it- it's going to be very interesting just where they are in 30 days from now. Definitely. Yeah. You know, like comparisons to the Monday night wars. I mean, what exactly are your metrics here? You know, like nobody's really going head to head. NXT's or sorry, uh, AEW's not going to move to Mondays. You're not going to be able to compare that way. And I don't see it reaching. Um, it's it's the eighteen to forty nine uh, battle, yes. and that's one that that Raw should even with Monday Night Football have the edge. But we we don't know what all these names are going to mean for them and what what Dynamite settles in. I would not be jumping to conclusions after this Wednesday's number. We know it's going to be very big this Wednesday. It's what does all of this uh, settle in at and, and how close it is. Like they are, they are not going to touch raw in total viewers, but the fact that dynamite and raw could be uh, even within striking distance in that 18 to 49 demo, that's a big coup right there. Yeah. You know, I'm sure though, if you ask like Tony Khan, it's like, I'm sure that's a nice metric to be able to brag about the fact that they're so close, you know, with only three years of operation, two years of operation. But ultimately, it's whether or not they can command a greater TV deal when their contracts are due and how much money that they can, they can, uh, they can get. Um, And if, if that all plays out, who cares if Raw is doing, you know, much more than you, like you're still winning. You know, so um, ultimately, I'm sure that's the only metric they care about. And then Adam Cole uh, is the last one I want to talk about here. And my God, this guy is just the most personable individual. Like he just sits down there. He looked like he was the happiest person in the world to be here in AEW. Um, He, you know, went into his contract stuff that it surprised him when he learned that his contract was not up in December. It was up in July. And he ended up signing the short-term extension pretty much because of Kyle O'Reilly, that they were in the midst of this program and he wasn't going to bail on that program, even though he could have. And he could have been in AEW even sooner than this. And unlike Danielson, who conveyed that this was a very tough decision for him to make, Cole made it sound like this this was not that hard of a decision, but had nothing bad to say. said he had a very constructive meeting with Vince McMahon. That was a very positive experience. And... But he felt for a while that this was going to be where he landed. And because of Britt Baker, he's been around this crew a lot and obviously has a history with with many of them and called it an excellent four-year experience on his time in WWE. Would you call it, Way, a excellent four-year experience for an individual that was signed at the age of 28 
and what WWE got out of Adam Cole in four years. Because when he debuted in 2017, NXT was something different than what it became when it's suddenly on the USA Network. I think considering the total picture and considering maybe the varied um, amount of um, successes that we've had in NXT, I would overall absolutely say, yes, it was still successful for Adam Cole, knowing where he was in the industry before and where he leaves now four years later as I think a really hot prospect coming out of NXT. You can say in some in some ways, maybe he was spared a main roster run because if he was up to, you know, got called up in the main roster, maybe two years into his uh, WWE contract. Um, and if he didn't get booked well and he would if he was stuck on a 205 live or worse, you know, the 24 seven division, we would not be clamoring for an Adam Cole debut in AEW at the end of this contract like we are right now. He was booked as a top guy pretty much the entire time. He was in NXT, led his own hot stable, and left on top. Like, to, you know, at least, you know, in the top of the main event, uh, had a very long title reign. So I think if I'm Adam Cole, like, I'm ultimately quite grateful of, of the past four years. No, he, he was, you know, you could argue the MVP of NXT during the USA Network era. Definitely in that, that grouping that you would... Uh, associate that with Finn Balor and some others as well. But I do think it's somewhat an indictment of the system that that is a concern that thank God he didn't make it to the main roster, that here is someone that you, we always talk about WWE and who are these under 30 stars. And you signed a phenomenal one who was pretty much ready when he was signed. Sure. You got a year out of NXT, but you know, he did once 2019 came around, like this was not just, get talent ready for the main roster. This was its own thing, and he was a valuable tool. But at the same time, it's like you had four years, and this guy gave you ages 28 to 32. He never got to the main roster. Like I, I think like that is really notable, that here was a guy, prime years, you didn't get any main roster time out of him, and at the end of four years, this guy who in this scrum said, it was my dream since I was nine years old to be in this company, left. I think yeah. that's that's a very telling uh, aspect of of these uh, talent to leave the company. It, it, it no, it, it's a very good point. You know, um, I mean, Daniel Bryan uh, has very different feelings about it. Of course, he 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 has gl uh, glowing reviews of of his time there. And when you think about it, like how could he not? He was a guy who, against all odds, like headlined two WrestleManias, main evented two WrestleManias. They pushed him to the top and probably paid him very well for it. Uh, if you're Adam Cole, you know, chances were that that wasn't going to happen for you. And bottom line is that, you know, at the end of the, his contract, he didn't have, a, in my opinion, a very serious option for main, like main, main event level success. If he was going to stick with the WWE uh, to me, like AEW was really his best chance at, at this point. So, um, you know, NXT run, I think, was still successful. You would absolutely consider. But he was a top guy, top act with the Undisputed Era. Um, but, by, but by this point, there is only one option and, and he chose it. Yeah. Khan said that uh, Cole was the guy that struck fear in him on the NXT side and credited Adam Cole with the one week they lost in the demo to NXT, which I give more of that credit to Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler, which was the headliner. But that, that same show did feature Adam Cole and Finn Balor for the NXT title. So he does deserve some credit for that number. But um, 
essentially Tony Khan was like, that was the biggest piece on the board for NXT. And we took him like that was pretty much. And Tony just said the Wednesday night war is now over. It's an interesting way of reframing maybe that whole conversation. Honestly, I didn't even really think about that. But yeah, like this is our first true crossover, I suppose. He did bring up a 2.0 as uh, maybe the first NXT uh, defects. But uh, this is uh, the slightly more, I think, um, relevant one. Um, But yeah, you you can definitely have that argument. We now have the top guy from the other show. Uh, So... We did mention this last night, but AEW Full Gear has been moved to Saturday, November the 13th, and Tony Khan explained this, that, listen, they it's the same night as a Canelo fight, it's the same night as UFC 268, he said, I'm friends with Dana White, why should we both run head-to-head with one another, it did not make a whole lot of sense, but... Uh, like logistically, this does create issues. So Full Gear is now moving to the 13th. And when asked if it was still in St. Louis, uh, Tony Khan was non-committal about that. So location to be determined. All he said was the November 5th Rampage will be in St. Louis, which was supposed to be the night before. So they're keeping that in St. Louis, but um, we'll find out where the pay-per-view is. Dude, that day of November th- the 6th, when I was looking at this, not only was it going to be uh, UFC 268 at Madison Square Garden. We were going to have full gear, and power struggle was that day. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was going to be a lot. Um, and something was going to have to give, because... Uh, that was not all going to happen in one day. So yeah. mm-hmm. our lives are a bit uh, easier with this moving uh, a week later. Being the elite today, Adam Cole was resurrected via a seance led by Kenny Omega and Adam Cole reappeared and way he thought it was 2017. Huh. There we go. Listen, if you want your seance predictions, you listen to post wrestling. Okay. We will predict who will come back from the dead on a web show. Any day. I, I did not watch the whole episode, but I watched the, the opening bit, which I, I found pretty amusing and the closing a couple of minutes were really cool where they just had the camera on Cole right before he was introduced same with Danielson and then after the pay-per-view where I mean these guys the the elite members I mean it was just like this big family reunion and they could not hide the emotion of uh, just what they pulled off and like what a night for them of you know the Bucks who like what a classic that they were part of. And then you get this angle at the end of the night. I am sure there were a lot of people riding a high coming out of that show last night. Oh my God. I I mean, if the fans were feeling the way that we were afterwards, I can't imagine what it was like to be an active participant on that show. Are you kidding me? Um, Yeah, no, it was like, we knew that they had to maybe address Adam Cole's return on BTE somehow. And they, they did it in as I think um, campy, you know, amusing campy. Amusing fashion as the original death was um, in Reseda uh, as he died from a poison monster energy drink. I mean, uh, it's ridiculous. And I think, you know, its audience accepts and loves it for that reason. So, um, uh, you know, I, I it was it was fun. It was amusing. Last things here. Uh, New Japan Strong have added Jake Atlas, Jonathan Gresham, Chris Bay, and Alex Zane to their Philadelphia tapings on October 16th and 17th that already include Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer. Um, Great additions. I'm very excited to see Jonathan Gresham in that mix. 
Yeah, sorry, you 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 read so many names that I couldn't even really process it, but they they all sound really great. <laughs> uh, and then Tuesday night NXT, uh, we have the whole lineup here. It'll be Io Shirai and Zoe Stark against Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter for the tag titles. MSK against Lorcan and Birch for the tag titles. Ember Moon versus Kaylee Ray. Carmelo Hayes versus Santos Escobar. Mei Ying makes her in-ring debut. Julius and Brutus Creed of the Diamond Mind make their debut. And the Bachelor and Bachelorette parties for Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. All right, cool. That's what we have to look forward to. Uh, this is the last taped show before the next. The last taped one, and next week's the revamp. Yeah, which they are pushing really hard throughout tonight's Raw. Like, I felt like we got one of those commercials every every like every other commercial break. And this time, they were they seemed to show a bit of like a teaser of what the arena was going to look like. It almost felt like we looked at blueprints of what that arena was going to look like. And from the look of it, it seems like it's going to be rows and rows and rows of seats surrounding relatively smaller space. But I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing like how they design this thing because I think they're hyping that a lot. Yeah, I know like all these changes, um, you know, that people are going to have under a microscope, but the look of NXT, it needed badly an upgrade, like yeah. significantly. Yeah, and I think like they're really hinging, like from the way that they've been dealing with their like big changes throughout the pandemic, uh, and, and maybe rightfully so, I think they hinge a lot on a show success based on its presentation and how it looks. And we look at the, we look to the Thunderdome. Uh, and, and it's boost in ratings for for uh, evidence of that. We look at maybe the return of live crowds and, and it's boost of ratings as evidence of that. And I think that's exactly what they will try to remedy with NXT. And also, like to me, it's an indicator of how much more integra- integration we might actually see on Raw now with NXT, now that it is maybe under a bit more involvement from Vince McMahon and his team, um, pr- presumably, presumably. Um, but we certainly got way more promotion for that show than usual over the past two weeks. All right, let's get into Raw tonight from the FTX Arena in Miami, Florida. It started off with kind of Saturday night's main event style promos from the teams involved in the tag team turmoil, uh, culminating with AJ and Omos in sync with one another, as they said, Raw Tag Team Championship. Uh, Yes, they did. Yeah. What? That's the name. That is... That is it. Yes. These were like 10 second promos that everyone had to cut, but uh, it was a nice start. It just established all the teams off the bat yeah i always like these i mean nothing wrong with them you know give these guys a few seconds to cut their promo i mean they're not all none of them are really memorable promos but still it's got like a nice old school feel to it rk bro came out and riddle just did all of his comedy he proposed they become the snake and stallion express with masks or jackets he talked about going on a raid they could drink some ale. He knows Orton doesn't eat carbs. He gets the munchies, and Orton had to play like he's smirking at this goofball um, as he just went on here. Lashley and MVP came out. They called uh, R- Randy Orton cowardly for his RKO attack last week and said that they are going to try and enter the tag team turmoil so that Lashley can become a double champion. But in all of this, the champion challenged Orton to a match and Randy Orton, the challenger said he would accept it on one condition. <laughs> I will challenge, but it must be for the championship. That's a, oh, that's a unique way to get there. 
Yeah, this yeah. was uh, Randy Orton will grant himself a title chance. Well, I mean, it ultimately required MVP and Lashley to to accept, you know. So um, MVP was very over here in Miami, obviously. Oh yes, yes. He even spoke in Spanish, which I thought was like, I mean, a major babyface moment for MVP. But uh, they loved him here. I thought it was a decent opening segment with, I thought a pretty logical maybe challenge from Lashley and then a logical rebuttal from or- from Orton. New Day came out and they have just gone full in on the Hall and Nash motif here. Like they, <laughs> Kofi is just verbatim has got Kevin Nash's gear. Uh, don't doesn't Woods as well? Like was Woods, Woods has like the like his Hall? tights, but it's got like the uh the ra- the razor blades all over it and stuff. Oh so. yeah, okay. So Kofi has like the the frills, the little kind of like fringe things. Yeah, I mean they're just it's just they're the wolf pack. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess that's cool. I just think like I feel like that's just the easiest like parody in the world, and I just I'm amazed that whenever like people sell shirts like that because it's like. In Photoshop, it takes probably like five five minutes to do, and I just think it's so played out by now. But you know, like you can get away with a whole lot. Hey, is your name three letters? We can make an NWO parody shirt of it. So the tag team turmoil started, and this lasted the entire first hour, and we didn't even finish the match. So New Day are. Starting things off with the Viking Raiders. Uh, this first match went 10 minutes. Uh, th- th- this was like a good match that they had here. The Vikings the Vikings weakened Kingston, and he rolls to the corner, tags Woods, gets slammed by Eric. Ivar comes off a, with a splash for a two-count, and then a Trouble in Paradise is delivered to Ivar, and Woods uses a small package to pin Eric. 10 minutes, two seconds as they advance. Good, fun little match. Yeah, between these two teams, it's... Uh... They're all great wrestlers. Jinder Mahal and Veer were next, and Kofi uh, Xavier came off the top uh, with what they called a glancing blow as Kingston held Mahal in position and Woods pinned Jinder. Uh, just notable again that once again it is Jinder eating the fall and Veer is the protected one. Right, interesting. Well, I mean, I guess you've already had to run with Jinder. Maybe Veer is sort of a your big project. Yeah, still going that direction. New Day against the Lucha House Party. Uh, do Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, it was WrestleMania for them. We've got four minutes on Raw. <laughs> Let's just go out there and tear it up as much as we can. Dude, these guys were just out there to have the greatest four minutes that they could possibly have. Um, Metalik hit a splash off the shoulders of Dorado, uh, then did a high cross, and Woods awkwardly gets his knees up. The announcers don't know what the hell happened. So then Matt Riddle informs them what Woods was trying to do, and they conveyed that on commentary. Helpful. Uh, there was a huge moonsault by Dorado, but Kingston made the save. Dorado then gets tripped from the floor as Woods reverses, swings Grand Metalik, and smashes him into the mat and pins him in three minutes and 57 seconds. A fun four minutes that the four had. I thought Lucha House Party were really great in this, and... Um, I enjoyed the finish, you know, as the match began to progress, of course, and, and the new day continued to stay in there. They had to come up with more creative ways to book them to win in, in desperate kind of barely gotcha types of fashions. So yeah, it was good. Then it was, uh, T bar and mace. They got the advantage on woods forever. 
Kingston's down on the floor, and then T-Bar hits Feaster Eyes or goes for it, and it's countered with a roll-up by Woods in 432. So New Day continues to run the gauntlet. But T-Bar and Mace, they are upset, and they beat the hell out of these two before Mustafa Ali and Mansoor come out. And Mansoor is furious. He's going after T-Bar, and Ali's telling him, who cares? Who cares? This is great for us. Ali tries to help, but he gets leveled with a boot. Both men are tossed to the floor, and T-Bar and Mace just destroy everybody. They use the steps, they lawn dart Kofi into the steps, and then Pierce and DeVille come out and warn them as Woods is run into the post, and they announce that the remaining teams will get a recovery period, and will do this match later with four teams remaining. So this was intermission in the tag team turmoil. You know, one of the the things that I feel like WWE has excelled at in in its modern era is the booking of these gauntlet matches. Like most of the time, they they know the formula. You give the person the Iron Man run, and then maybe sometimes you have them win. Even sometimes if you don't have them win, the idea is that they come out of it with Kofi Mania. I mean, look at look at this. You know, like this is the guy, right? Um, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that they could screw that up. Even because I mean, putting a fucking break in between your gauntlet match completely kills that momentum that you you've been building up with. Like, what is a legitimate act of uh, athleticism? Seeing performers out there for as long as you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes, fifty minutes plus, and really kind of takes the impressiveness and I think to me the crowd motivation from seeing these guys win totally away. So I I was not a fan. Yeah, this was a. Uh... This is a long period. It took me a long time to get through this this first hour of Raw. And not so much like a negative against any of the action. It's just it was kind of um, like it did just feel like we were just eating up time in this first hour. And, you know, the, the story of the New Day going through, I mean, it was a fine story. Did it hook me for an hour? Not really. Well, you've seen it before, right? It's um, I don't think there's real any real motivation for us to want to see any of these teams win the championship? Because quite frankly, the tag team titles don't mean much. Nor and- di- nor was this match at all about the baby faces. Like the baby faces here at the end of segment one get murdered and then they come back and this whole turmoil, it was about the two heel teams making it to the end and the new day were kind of just cannon fodder for the end. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they they were there to carry the crowd's interest to give them a fan favorite to want to see uh, win. And then they took that away to so that we could focus on the real people. Um, But, I mean, some stuff here that was like, you know, the Lucha House Party w- one was fun. I think the Viking Raiders, that was like your best match. And it also got the most time of any of these uh, first iterations of the turmoil, which would continue later in the night. But we move on to Drew McIntyre against Sheamus. Winner will go on to challenge Damian Priest at Extreme Rules uh, for the United States Championship. Um, These two just had another in their great series of matches. I thought Mm -hmm. this was the best thing on the show, which Sheamus and Drew McIntyre in their different versions. I like these two have been like the glue on Raw this year. And whatever they are put in, it typically delivers. Yeah, glue. Interesting. Glue. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily think of them as glue. Um but uh yeah, no, they're great. They're good. They're I, very good. They're very I, entertaining. I, 
it was a very physical match. Uh, Sheamus delivered this superplex, and the crowd's with this very, and they have just sat through like a lot of wrestling in this first hour with the tag team turmoil. But this was a really great crowd in Miami. Sheamus tries the countdown for the brogue kick, but is stopped, hit with the future shock. Drew then sends Sheamus into the corner, and he uses a Kimura. Sheamus gets to the rope, uh, hits a high knee on Drew. Drew comes back, and he uses white noise, tears off Sheamus' mask, and kicks him. Crowd is really hot at this point. Goes for the Claymore, but Sheamus sidesteps, rolls up Drew, hooking the tights, and catches him in 14 minutes and 49 seconds. So Drew McIntyre loses yet again. And afterwards, Drew is holding the face mask, and he just clobbers Sheamus over the head with this thing. Just oh, smacked him right in the head with this mask. Bit of a sore loser. Well, they kind of played it up like Drew is getting very frustrated by these losses. And, I mean, you, you could see this as, you know, Drew getting set to jump to SmackDown. Um, but it does it does seem like they're getting to that point with Drew. And I, I really thought they were just going to go in the direction and do another Damian Priest-Drew McIntyre match after that got off so well last week. But, you know, Sheamus was the protected one last week, and I guess that is the program for Priest. Yeah, I suppose so. So, I mean... They do kind of look at this as like somebody leaving the territory. He should like job several times on his way out, even though like it's the same company. It's always been that way with WWE. I mean, it does not make a whole lot of sense, but that is the thinking. And it's also in an era where I, I don't know how much stock people even put into this, but yeah, it's true. The moment he shows up on SmackDown and if he gets booked seriously on SmackDown, like, yeah, I, I'll probably have forgotten all of these losses, but it was a really good match between these two. These, they just have excellent chemistry with each other. They aren't afraid to hate each other a little harder than, than, uh, average. Great intensity, really great transitions between these sequences. So I, if you are looking for your wrestling on Monday nights, I would definitely recommend this one. Yeah. Very, very good match from the two. Damien Priest is interviewed and says, that was a fight. And I know something about fights because I've probably been in them. And he gives a shout out way to his fans who are now the agents of infamy. Uh, the AOM. The, A- yeah. the AI. No, the AII. Oh, AOI. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I, or AO. English is- I- yeah. I have it. It's, uh, been, yeah. uh, it's late, everybody. It's a day. The agents of infamy. Agents of infamy. Are you an agent? I'm a. I'm a double. We're double agents. <laughs> Undercover <infamy>. agent of infamy. <laughs> He's got Seamus's number. Where are all my agents at? <laughs> oh, he's got Seamus's number, and Seamus is going to hear those sweet sounds. And still, United States champion. Dude, just let this guy be. Do not, do not do this to him. He is one guy that I really can see breaking through. Do not do this. This promo is everything I don't want to see. These baby faces have to be saddled with this agent. He can't be fans. We've got to brand them. And hey, you've got to be the cool, tough guy, but it's going to sound completely ingenuine. It's not a word. Disingenuous. Uh, 
I did not like yeah. this promo at all. It's just the Achilles heel of these baby faces that have to talk like this and sound so aggravating. You know, this is, I mean, you know, the, the, sometimes the young lines have like their dojo system to have to go through. Like they're limited in what they can do. They're uh, limited in, in the look. They got to shave their head. This is the dojo process for the WWE. You have to spend the first several years of your career going through these terribly scripted promos live on TV. And if you can survive that, if Vince still likes you at the end, if the audience still likes you after that, then maybe you can get a bit of leeway to craft your own promos and create your own identity. Uh, so this this is a uh, year one of Damian yeah. Priest. Yeah, it's the long game for Karrion Cross and Ricochet and all these guys. Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash are preparing, and Sarah Schreiber notes that they are an unlikely tag team. Two forces that have come together, but they're on different pages. How is this going to work? How will they coexist? Nikki, uh, fuck. Nikki says, I don't want to fly to any conclusions, but we don't have a lot in common, but we're working on it. And maybe, and Rhea goes, it's time to unleash super brutality. I would repeat my rant I just gave a minute ago, but you can rewind. I just want to give an update, folks, that Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash joined the likes of RK-Bro, Ali and Mansoor, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark, and Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler as our tag teams that just cannot get along with one another. What is it that can they overcome this and find some success together? How many teams do we have like this? There's five I just rattled off there. Well, you know, it's, I mean, relationships are complicated and uh, sometimes, you know, you, you just... You um, don't always get along on route to success. But clearly, I mean, this is the path to the, to success. You find somebody that you absolutely despise, you can't, you know, share a dinner with. And somehow in your growth, in your spiritual growth of a connection together, you might actually get some airtime and win some championships. It's a great lesson because Natalia and Tamina are very close. They're very close friends and they lose every non-title match. They are very unsuccessful by getting along and we never see them on tv so evidently <laughs> conflict is what's the only thing that's interesting and so um those are the only teams that ever get shown horrible advice here for for friendships to foster and grow sarah schreiber meets with charlotte she's still standing after last week and she will do anything to keep her title nia Jax will bow down Tamina and Natalia versus Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Uh, Nikki Ash was wearing an armband for Daphne. Yes, she was. Yeah, very nice tribute. Uh, Tamina misses a seated splash on Nikki, and then Ripley tosses Nikki at Tamina. It's kind of like uh, Nikki was like this weapon that Rhea could just toss around. Um, tag is made to Ripley after the break. Nikki hits a high cross. Tamina was a bit late to make the save. And then Natalia does not see the tag. She goes for the sharpshooter on Nikki, but Rhea comes from behind, hits her with the riptide, and pins Natalia in 930, and Nikki celebrates jumping into the arms of Ripley. So Tamina and Natalia, they have programs for weeks and weeks and weeks now. If they choose to follow through, I mean, you know, I feel like uh, the number of people that are owed title shots is 
is growing by the by the the week, you know. Shotzi and Knox still on deck, they, aren't they? They they got to take a number. Didn't they earn their title shots twice? Three times they beat them. But didn't they just win another like contenders match or something? Sure. Which was the one where Shotzi came out and and shot the? Uh... That was not the a match. There was the one where Tamina got rolled up after the uh, the nerf thing hit her. Remember that match? Okay, so... <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so in July 16th of 2021 on SmackDown, okay. Shotzi and Knox defeated Natalia and Tamina in a contenders match for the women's tag team titles. Okay. In August, of t- August 20th, 2021... They again defeated Natalia and Tamina in a contenders match for the women's tag team title. So they have officially earned two title shots and uh, haven't been right. on TV. And then they had that other, the other win was that debut that they made, which was not a champions contenders match. That was just a yeah, normal they, match. They've beaten the t- tag team champions three <laughs> times. And uh, they weren't, they haven't been on the past two editions of SmackDown. So I think they're going to have to earn a third shot. Momentum. <laughs> Momentum is important in this company and they don't know how to capitalize on it. This is ridiculous. They've earned two title shots and they just have like <laughs> no follow through at all. Moist TV. This was backstage. They didn't want to put this in front of the crowd. And John Morrison, his fans are the Aquaholics. Which I've like been that. around. They are they are a real thing. I don't know if they're going to show up, though, in a couple of weeks. You're playing with MJ. He says that Karrion Cross has made quite the splash here on Raw. I guess a belly flop is a splash. Cross wants to make people's worst dreams a reality and plans to make John Morrison suffer and eliminate him from existence. John Morrison says, I've been in this game for two decades and I'm still three decades ahead of you. Burn. I'm old. I'm really old. Wait a second. So what does that mean? I have no idea what this means. I've been in this game for two decades, and I'm still three decades ahead of you. Okay, so I've been here for for twenty years, and I'm thirty years ahead of you. So I think he. I guess he means like when he started, he was already ten ten years ahead. Well, um, the ten I mean, years he's, of seniority. He's been in this company. Well, he started in this company in two thousand three. He won tough enough. Yeah. So, so that's, that's 18 years. That's about 20. 20 he get, tacks on another 10. He gets, a, he gets a bonus 10 years because of uh, seniority. Well, what what does that grant you? What is 10 extra? What does 30, 30 decades just tells me that your your time is almost up? Buddy. Well, part of it, he went to Lucha Underground. And there, they can do time travel. So there, that's where Johnny Mundo, he was only there for a few seasons, but... In actuality, it adds on 10 years. But when did Karrion Cross start his career? Probably at least 10 years, right? Mm, I don't think so. He's like a 10-year guy? Eight years? Sure, go in that ballpark. Okay, okay, whatever. I'm done with this uh, stupid bit. Seven years. We weren't too far off. So you round up the same way he did. He rounded up from 18 to 30. So Morrison, um, with his decades of experience notes all the people he's been in the ring with including dx the cool members of dx 
That's pretty. He did. Funny. He did not enjoy that heel turn last week on Dynamite. Oh, the Billy Gunn. I Sean Waltman is pretty cool. Sean Waltman's a very cool guy. Yeah. So Karrion Cross murdered John Morrison in two minutes and four seconds. This included Morrison shooting him with the drip stick. Um, and then he beat him with the cross jacket. So he's still murdering guys, but man, does this guy feel flat. It's, uh, it, you know, they're pushing him really strong. Again, you know, the they're treating him right from this point on. Is it working, though? Are these fans looking at Karrion Cross as the monster that I think they want to actually p- portray him now? Um. I don't get that sense, you know? And number one, it, it, I sound like a broken record, but it's the the terrible start that he got off to, and it's the, the joke of a look that he's got. It's hard to take a man seriously in suspenders. This guy's also a great promo, and they've taken that away. Like, this moist TV segment was brutal. You mean for you mean Cross is a good Carrying promo? Carrying Cross. Yeah, I guess so. Like, this I was guess- a guy, like, his talking was a big asset to him. I mean, he's not the most dynamic wrestler in the world, but he was a very good talker. And instead, he's doing just this very, I mean, this this segment just did nothing for me. Well, in their minds, this is how you create your monsters. You have them destroy the water guy. I mean, he's running through guys, but you're also throwing in, like, these dripstick spots. But I, I don't know. I just don't really feel that there's a whole lot. Uh, to him but over time i mean maybe these two minute matches are like traditionally that that works for a heel to just kill guys but it's for for the reasons you listed i think this one has been more difficult naya doesn't want to waste her breath on charlotte flair and no one has ever handled charlotte like she did last week i'll say and she's going to finish what she started and win the raw women's title i felt there was like veiled acknowledgement at you know, the oh, they were trying very week. hard. They were trying very hard to play off of last week and market this as we don't know what's going to happen here. So Naya in her promo says Charlotte freaked out last week. You know, she just freaked out because she couldn't handle like that, that I was um, manhandling her or something. Or Everyone freaked out. It was a terrible match. Yeah. Well, uh, this was the main event of the show. Uh, in in some concerned. ways it was. I mean, it was very clear they were trying to push this as uh, what What's gonna last happen? week was out of control. What's going to happen? I mean, if you're going to book this rematch, I mean, then you might as well play into that uh, because of the discussion that last week generated. It was sizable. The bell rings and Shayna is out with Naya and she doesn't know if Naya has what it takes to beat Charlotte. This was... Like, I guess by default, Shayna Baszler is the babyface in this whole equation, but this was so confusing. Like, we had two heels in the ring. Shayna was just ungodly annoying throughout this thing, but I think you were supposed to sympathize with Shayna because you're not supposed to like Nia, but you're also not supposed to like Charlotte. But if the two rule each other out, you're to default to Charlotte. This was just impossible to just compute what was the desired reaction. Yeah, you might have a better chance calculating um, John Morrison's career in decades. So they they try to like throw hands at one another, and the refs getting in the middle. John McCarthy here, and yeah, sh- they they were this time they were like trying to make make it look like a messy hockey fight. There's a lot of talking here. You know, Charlotte's like upset that Nia pulled her hair. Um, 
it was they were like, doing like a cooperative version of the parts that fell apart last week. Yeah, and and I don't fault them for doing it. I think if you're going to play off of the controversy from last week, you have to you expect them to do something like this. But they didn't I, do it with the whole match. No, it they just dropped it. Yeah, it to, to me it kind of felt a bit contrived just the way they were going about it. Uh, to me, you do need a bit of an air of believability that this one lacked for me. She dares Nia to pull her hair, and then Charlotte rolls to the floor and gives her the suck it sign and tells Nia to kiss her ass and grabs the belt, and Shayna gets in her face. Nia then yanks her back in, and this is where we pretty much just had like a standard match for the rest of it. Jack stopped the figure four, Flair did a moonsault off the top to the floor, and then Baszler comes over and nearly strikes Nia, but pulls up at the end. Uh, Nia hits the avalanche, and then Baszler gets onto the apron, distracting Nia, which leads to Charlotte hitting a natural selection off the turnbuckle and pinning Nia in 8.53, which seems to put this program to bed after two matches. We spin off Nia with Shayna and Charlotte with Alexa Bliss, which was the two programs that we originally had until we detoured here. Um, I mean, this was better than last week. Uh, that goes without saying, but um, I, I still didn't think this... Th- these two have a very awkward chemistry together. Sure, yeah. Um, I I thought it was all right. You know, it was like, um, a, a, I think, a, a decent follow-up to what was a pretty controversial moment from the week prior. Um, what was interesting was just the booking here and how they extinguished this very quickly. Um, and I wonder how much of that just has to do with, like, whether or not Naya was positioned as a backup for Alexa. Or if this was the plan the whole time to just delay this by a week by having Charlotte, your champion, lose. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure, but it's, something tells me there there are probably a few few things at play here. I, I I would imagine that there probably were was it just did seem like a a waste of a Charlotte Flair loss. Which I mean, it's kind of silly to look at a champion losing a non title match because it happens so often. But um, anyway, it just this felt like the conclusion of it. Alexa appears on the screen, inviting Charlotte to the playground. Flair won't play her mind games, so the lights go out. Alexa is in the ring with Lily and points to the title. And when Charlotte asks, you want a title match? The whole place starts chanting, yes. And she states that this isn't your playground, Alexa. It's mine. You know, I I had more than one comment sent to me from listeners commenting on the crowd sweetening in particular for a segment like this. And um, I it's. You know, it's it's kind of difficult for me to exactly say yes, definitely crowd sweetening or no, definitely. I mean, it's 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 kind of tough to tell sometimes, but I definitely was suspicious uh, throughout this segment. Um, anytime I think now, when you see maybe Alexa or like maybe even this Charlotte Naya segment, it's um, it, it it's at least a little bit suspicious because I'm watching at least a little bit more closely. You know, does the crowd match this? Does it not? Uh, again, it's kind of hard to tell, but I, I, I do have suspicions. I mean, the yes chance, like, you could see the audience, like, chanting that. Yeah, you can, but were they chanting that loud? Because they can pipe it into, like, if they pipe it into the, the audio in the rooms, people are going to join along. But anyway, again, I'm... I, I don't think I, they're I don't piping in yes chance anymore. I, w- I would say, like, that's probably the, not but, the chant that you're but the, piping in. But the promo segment was designed to elicit yes chance. 
the 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 like she, she deliberately asked the audience, "Should I da 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 da?" And I th- and I think the audience responded as as you w- you would think. I can't speak for the rest, but I think the yes chants were were natural. Yes yeah, or whatever. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments below. There was a video package of Reggie in all the various locations, uh, evading our truth and Tozawa as we get set for his big title defense inside of a ring against Akira Tozawa. And they went 41 seconds. Tozawa missed a spinning roundhouse kick. Reggie did some flips, running cannonball, and pinned Tozawa. And this was just kind of a, an update on the 24-7 division. Who else is vying for this championship beyond R-Truth? Well, those names include Cedric Alexander, Umberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak, Shelton Benjamin, and Jackson Riker. Oh, he's there now. Okay. He was out there too. And Reggie hit this tremendous dive onto them on the floor. And then as he's running up the ramp, out walks Drake Maverick. Yeah, 24-7 legend Drake Maverick, which which is what I think the, the response we were supposed to have to this. You yes. Know? So big moment here. Yeah. Stood, stood toe-to-toe with his former rival, R-Truth. He did, Adam Cole back in the Elite and Drake Maverick back in the 24-7 division in 24 hours. We were wondering if there was going to be a response from the WWE, and this was it. The return of Drake Maverick to the 24-7 division. So, um, huge. But... I, no, I'm I'm joking. I, I sound like a real asshole, but I'm actually really happy for this Drake Maverick. Okay, because I mean, let's remember he was he was cut, climbed his way back via video, and then um, I think had like an a good little comeback in NXT before he just kind of faded in there. Lost Drake, his tag Drake team Maverick partner. is a great performer. He's a great performer. Um, I just look at like this this twenty four seven division. It, it is what it is. I mean, it's just um, it's a miracle that this guy even has a role on Raw. Okay, a guy his size, no matter what promo level he's at, you know, like as an active wrestler participating on Raw, this was going to be the only space where he was going to catch Vince McMahon's attention to slot him into a role. So hopefully, it works out for him uh, longer this time. Well, if for if for no other reason, it will be great to see him back on Raw. So people can, instead of hypothetically asking, what would they do with a Darby Allen on Raw? You can see it play out here. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Darby Allen would probably be pissing himself. He would it, be pissing his pants. Is Drake Maverick like the alternate universe Darby Allen? I mean, to me, he's like the closest parallel we've got on Raw. Maybe in stature, but certainly not in ability. Uh, different styles, but as uh, this guy, as an entertainer, uh, should be thriving in a WWE system. But so, as- so we're play- if we're playing what if, I, I guess Drake Maverick is what if Darby Allen never got into that car accident? You would have grown up to be Drake Maverick. Okay, well, we can play the uh, what if WWE version. Dude drops in the back. She didn't want Eva to bail on their match last week, so that's why she attacked her, and Eva got dewdropped. And her karma is just beginning to come around. She wants a rematch next week, and it is the start of the dewdrop illusion. They're not even trying. <laughs> like 
Like, dude, if it, that sounds like back in the day when we were like spending 45 minutes in the studio trying to come up with a name for these shows. Yeah. And uh, we would both know. There's this, as much even, effort for that as there is for Rwanda Raw. Dude, drop illusion. Yeah. All right. Put it on a shirt. Maybe it'll work. Back to the tag team turmoil match for the last half hour of the show. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, they're all powered up. They're better. They're, they recharged. They're all recovered. Even playing field. Yeah. Against Mansoor and Ali. Um, fine match here. Mansoor would not take advantage of an injured Woods, so Ali tagged himself in. He has no reservations about such a thing. Ali super kicks Kofi in the ribs. Uh, Kofi goes for the... Uh, this is as Kofi's going for the Trouble in Paradise. Misses a 450, and then Kofi hits the Trouble in Paradise. Woods with the elbow drop, pinning Ali in 4 minutes, 18 seconds to advance. Yeah, yeah. AJ Styles and Omos are out. This is where they state that the winners of this turmoil will face RK Bro in Boston next Monday for the tag titles. Uh, they got the heat on Woods. Omos is tagged in. He's attacking Woods for about an hour. Uh, Kingston flies into the air and gets swatted by Omos. Kingston then lands a trouble in paradise on AJ, but he can't get on top of him. Omos... <laughs> has to come from the apron to break this up. And dude, he nearly killed the cameraman coming in. He just knocked this guy as he came in where it was on the, on the shot. He sends Woods to the floor and then lifts up Kofi into position for the Styles Clash and New Day is eliminated in 12.07 after running the gauntlet in hour one and hour three of the show. Yeah, to me, it was a moment that really didn't feel all that big. I mean... Um, because of the break in between, like, it didn't feel like they lost that much. You know, they, it was a good run, but it, it also wasn't maybe as hard fought as if it would have been if they went through the whole time. Well, it was all a precursor for the showdown with AJ and Omos against Bobby Lashley and MVP. And MVP is in the ring, and this crowd in Miami, they all start chanting for MVP. They acknowledge it's his hometown, and then he bails and goes and tags in Lashley. And this builds up to Lashley and Omos getting in the ring together. Yeah, crowd reacted really big for it. They treated this like a big deal. There was a Bobby chant. Lash, dude, Omos... Looked like a giant in here next to Lashley. He is. He's big. Omos is big. Lashley tries a vertical suplex, but it's countered. Omos lifts and drops him. And Lashley gets sent to the floor in front of Orton. Styles and leaps off the desk, taking out Lashley and Orton. Omos tosses Riddle into the barricade. MVP is dropped with an insiguri. Riddle is thrown over the desk. And then Styles misses the phenomenal forearm, gets speared by Lashley, and pinned in four minutes and 50 seconds. So next week, Lashley and MVP will challenge Riddle and Orton. And it closed with Omos grabbing Lashley and hitting him with a tree slam, uh, which seems to indicate something in the future with Omos and Lashley. And carried AJ to the back. Lashley staggers to his feet and takes an RKO from Orton as the crowd was pretty hot for this at the end as they went off the air and Lashley and Orton is the program for Extreme Rules and we'll do the tag title match next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was a tag team turmoil made to essentially kind of give you a bit of a preview match for the 
WWE title program at Extreme Rules. Makes me feel like they, they're going very hard with Omos in the singles direction. Uh, yeah, that feels it feels that way too. Can you actually see Bobby Lashley versus Omos in one of the big shows coming up? Uh, the fact they did that tree slam at the end, I think they very much wanted that in your memory of Omos and Lashley having some kind of showdown. I don't know how much of a match you can get out of that, but that certainly felt like something they they wanted to um, be uh, be inserted into your into your into your head. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when that plays out. I mean, I could see them doing that in Saudi Arabia. Possible. Potentially. Possible. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, they're serious about Omos. They continue to push him strong um, at the expense of maybe your others. And, like, guys like New Day are just kind of there to maybe serve the purpose of making Omos look good. That was raw. Um, I, I don't like it. It dragged for me this this particular night. I really enjoyed Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. There were elements of the tag team turmoil that worked, and I thought the Miami crowd was uh, enhanced. Uh, several situations uh, got far more into the ending of the show than I was anticipating. So more power to them. Um, but it's there's a lot of stuff on this show that I'm just. Uh, having a hard time imagining people are getting that inspired by, but um, you know, it was, it was an episode of raw. I'm usually, I feel like a lot more uh, patient and maybe even a bit more analytical when it comes to like these kind of by the numbers raws, there's usually maybe a bit more, I don't know, insight to, to glean from, but I just didn't feel like this had any interest, any of my interest today coming off of, the, this incredibly stimulating, exciting experience to do with the same sport the night prior and really even beyond that um, with like some of the other smaller shows that are happening out there. It, this just feels like it's such a uninspired, you know, cash cow of a show, like just there to fill fill time. So I don't. Did, did have you much expect more? Say. Like, obviously, they're setting up this tag title match. But beyond that, I mean, next week is their first week against football again. Um it's not a huge game. It's like the Raiders and Baltimore, but nonetheless, it's Monday night football. And typically like they, they try to build up that, that first week against the NFL. Uh, were you expecting something more to combat the NFL next week? Not so much. No. The biggest thing that what could I they keep, do? That's a great question is when people look at this and you know, you, you see the, the sentiment is that, man, like you have this alternative product that's really ramping things up. This is really going to force change for WWE. And it's like, okay, name me the five things that they're going to do. Like it's it's not just snap your fingers and suddenly you're changing the tone of this program that suddenly characters that have been diminished are going to be over overnight. That's not going to be the case. Like, it's long-term stuff that you would have to be changing, but I mean, you can't do short-term big changes that like their short-term solutions are bring back stars from the past, load up raw with old names. Like that's their short-term game with the roster that they have. Like we see the playbook every week, uh, especially on raw. Like I don't SmackDown to me feels like it, it does have a very different feel to it than raw most weeks and more to play with. But, uh, like raw, I, 
I think like it's it's gonna take a lot of work to to change like just the interest level. Like look at our feedback way for these shows. It's not like even throwing out have, all out. We have one piece of feedback. Like it's just I think there's a lot of indifference to Raw and watching the show tonight. Like I could see a lot of people. Like if you watched that show last night, that this was not a night where you were just gonna sit through three hours of Raw. Um, no, I think you a need lot to- of people are having that. Kind of I think for anybody who samples last night's product, like going back to this night, it, it, you, you, I think you need a product that is doing a little bit more than simply saying, here's some wrestling, you know, like this is an audience that has other options, but I also don't think they're necessarily trying to cater towards that same audience. You know, if you're a fan who has discovered AEW, discovered all the other options that are out there, I think they're not relying on you. I think they're relying on the people that haven't heard of it or haven't, you know, the care to maybe check out the other channel for professional wrestling. They're here to try to capture the casuals that have a routine of every Monday night, eight o'clock, turning on the show and just having some wrestling on in the background or in front of them. Maybe they're decently entertained even. But, um, you know, as long as they win the night in their cable ratings, as long as, as, long as they maintain whatever they, they're, they're doing on their um, Tuesday Nielsen's and I think that's all they care about. And and they will win tonight. And mm-hmm. like that is a huge part of this is that it's it's not like Raw is slipping either. Like this foundation of people you identify way that it is routine or or actively engaged in the show. It's at a very healthy level like pre NFL. Like I do assume we'll we'll see some kind of hit next week, but like they are going to do their 1.8, 1.9 million viewers. And like, that's a very healthy number that they do on Monday. I don't know if it's necessarily growing this number that you're attracting new fans, but when you're doing that, you don't necessarily have a gun to your head that you have to be increasing it. When you're topping your, your cable charts every week, like they yeah. will be behind the NFL next week, but that's a given, but it's it's still going to be a healthy audience for them. And that is the reality of Raw being mm-hmm. the, it is still the institution of professional it, wrestling. It's the Kleenex of professional wrestling. It's the Xerox of professional wrestling. You know, when, you, when you're somebody who doesn't care a whole lot about pro wrestling and you simply want that little fix uh, because for whatever reason you need it, you're nostalgic for that night then you know to go to the WWE. You're not looking for premium professional wrestling. You're not critical of what you see as much. Um, and it's for that reason that I think WWE, even if they are trying to remedy, if they even give a shit about what AEW is doing right now, which I think I don't think I don't think they care as much as we think, but I think if they do, I mean those remedies are not going to be focused on what these hardcore diehard wrestling fans, AEW fans are looking for. Their remedies are going to be things like fixing the set, you know? Maybe adding some screens um, to the set, changing things that only might you know inspire a casual fan to stick onto this channel um, in between commercial breaks for for a football game. And, and uh, those those things matter, like they do matter, and we saw that going from the Performance Center to the Thunderdome. They matter, but they will not. But they they, they don't. The, the the type of person that listens to this podcast doesn't give a shit about that. You know, the type of person that listens to this podcast cares about the core product and that's whether or not the the shows are entertaining the storylines are entertaining the wrestling is entertaining and that is the type of fan that's slowly fading away that is finding a home with products like AEW that are directly answering some of those um you know missing qualities about the show 2.6 out of 10 for raw tonight our long piece of feedback and thank you so much kate from montreal for being a trooper 
giving us a bit of content here to the last to one out. standing. Yep. Uh, you want to read it, John? Wrestling fans are not complicated people. Generally speaking, after three hours, they felt very overthought and relied on a healthy dose of piped in chants. The visual of Laugh. Lashley and Omos squaring off was enough to make the live crowd lose its collective mind. I didn't hate the tag turmoil stuff because it was at least trying different tactics, but I hope that the powers behind the scenes could see that sometimes easy stuff is the strongest. Not sure if it was just me, but a lot of the promos tonight seemed cringe, even by Raw standards. I do not disagree there. There were several that I thought the same. However, while watching what I thought was the worst segment, I had a sort of revelation. Miro and Karrion Cross are the same basic character with similar in-ring styles, and the difference in the way they come off is 100% down to the booking, writing of the companies they work for. That crystallized a lot of the difference between WWE and AEW for me. Yeah, yeah, you can absolutely draw parallels and comparisons. Um, I almost feel like they're it's so, it's so, so, so entirely different products at this point that I almost feel weird like comparing raw to AEW sometimes i think they're aiming for different demographics different types of people um it's just so different yes he's going to uh karen cross is gonna redeem these dripsticks he's she's would probably cut some promos talking about his wife we haven't seen her in a long time significant other oh significant other okay they're not married yet all right, everyone, thank you very much for joining us for Rewind to Raw, the Labor Day edition of the show. It was a labor. <laughs> the labors of Raw. The labors of Raw have concluded. <laughs> um, and we are, we are the worst for wear. Wei is not gone yet. He is back on Tuesday. Him and WH will be reviewing Shang-Chi. Did yeah, right? you got the proper pronunciation. That is correct. As the I look forward is- to listening to this because I don't know... Is this this is strictly in theaters? Is this is this a Disney Plus option? It is not. It is a, a strictly Disney or, or theatrical release, but I think it's a forty five day theatrical window. So you're just gonna have to wait a bit. Okay, uh, I look forward to this movie. It seems like uh, phenomenal reviews. I look forward to hearing you and WH uh, review this film. So that will be up Tuesday for mem- members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then Way and I are back Wednesday night, ten fifteen Eastern for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons. Reviewing Dynamite, which is set to feature Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes, Minoru Suzuki versus John Moxley in Cincinnati, and an appearance by Ruby Soho. And I would imagine they will be announcing uh, several other uh, attractions over the next day or so. Uh, the big one being Danielson, Cole. Um, I think at minimum. Do you think we're getting everybody on Wednesday? I think so. Yeah, I I, I think it's the I first think so show too. back. You know, it's two hours. I think I think everybody wants to hear from all those all those people. And they have to start building immediately, like the Newark and Arthur Ashe Stadium cards. Like that, I I think you by the end of Wednesday night, you've got to have that card for Newark, and I think you've got to have at least the top, if not top two matches for Arthur Ashe Stadium established. I would I would think you'd want two weeks of lead time on that to really build that up and make those those matches feel significant. But we will see. They have a lot coming up. Uh, this week, uh, including Rampage on Friday. So that's going to wrap it up. Thank you to all of you for joining us late tonight, and we'll speak with you later this week. Postwrestling.com is where you can check out everything. Good night.